Hello, I'm Sam Breakgear and welcome to the Social Podcast. So for today's episode, we have our new onto something piece. This is where we look at psychology's influence on technology and vice versa. And this one isn't that heavy on technology. It talks about how our choice of film might shine a light on our type of personality. But I think this is particularly important because in today's society of Netflix and YouTube, it's fair to say that these companies probably know more about us than our neighbors or even some of our closest friends. And it also shines a light on what we're vicariously looking to experience in our everyday lives. But for our main piece, we're gonna be talking about scopolamine. Now, this is, uh, this is something that's interested me for a while because about four or five years ago, Vice released a documentary called Devil's Breath, The World's Scariest Drug. And it's understandable why they called it that, because it truly is terrifying. I'm not going to go into the details now, that'll be for the story, but essentially it's like a powder that you can blow into someone's face and they lose all free will. They're hypnotized in this, this chemical spell that makes them do whatever you say, which is scary as hell. But this is something which I've heard a lot about, but I've never really come face to face with you hear a lot of people especially in colombia or medellin say oh yeah i know someone that's happened to or yeah a friend of mine that that's happened to them but it's more of like an urban legend than something that actually truly exists so i reached out to the expat and colombian community in medellin to find out what this drug can do what the effects are what it's like from a first-hand victim from someone that's experienced this and that's when i was pointed into the direction of Scopolamine Victims and Alerts, a closed Facebook group that's looking to tackle this horrible crime and the gangs that are committing these crimes. So without further ado, here's our story. I'm standing here in Parque Lleras. It's one of the main parks in Medellin and a hotspot for tourism. It's in Poblado, which is one of the most touristic neighborhoods in the city. And by day, it seems like any other park surrounded by bars and restaurants. But by night, it becomes the heart and the hub of Medellin's nightlife. With that, comes a large amount of pickpockets and drug dealers. But there is a danger here that exists which is far scarier than anything else. It is the drug called scopolamine, which sounds something like an urban legend. Scopolamine really is the stuff of nightmares, as it is said to lead to hallucinations, frightening images, and a total lack of free will. When induced, the victim is sent into a zombie-like state, which removes all free will, making them completely compliant to any demand. As a result, the drug is often used by criminals to empty bank accounts, rob homes, steal organs, or even commit rape. The drug is produced by the flower of the borrachero tree, which can be found in Colombia and is put through a chemical process before it can be used on victims. I spoke with Juan, a Colombian business owner who grew up in the US, who has experienced firsthand just how horrifying scopolamine can be. So would you be able to tell me what happened and what you remember from the event? Okay, well, it was a normal day, uh, like every day, and I started actually, since I moved from California here, a little business, which is selling new and used clothes from the U.S. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of aunts in the States, and they send me stuff from the U.S., and I sell online. Um, so I was working with that. It was second, first month of working with it, and I started selling really cool backpacks, jackets, so I got a message from a, a random guy and he said, I really like your business. I'm really interested in it. I would love to meet 
so you sell me some items that you have posted and so that we could also talk business and become partners and maybe bring stuff together from the states so because i had just started i actually thought that idea was really great and i actually uh, you know anybody that started a business wants to grow so I told him, okay, he bought around, let's say, $50 of worth of items, a woman's watch, a backpack, different things. And we made an agree agreement to meet up at Nikia, mm -hmm. uh, which is near Bejo. So that's how we did it. Uh, we met up on a bar, in a bar, and we started talking business. He paid me all the items that I brought him, uh, gave me the cash, and we started drinking. I started talking more about the business, everything. And I didn't have any fear because these guys were were really well dressed. They had gold chain, gold ring. So if you see people like that in Colo in Medellin mostly wearing gold, you know that they're either powerful or mm. fearless or or they're important or they're yeah. rich, you know? So I had no fear and I took things really serious, gave him my gave him my trust right away. Mm -hmm. Felt really comfortable with them. Uh, we kept drinking, drinking, you know, and everything normal became really like close. Uh, and they told me, "Do you guys, do you want to finish the party? I want on my apartment." So I said, "Yeah, it's fine by me." So I was already a little tipsy, but I had everything under control. I remember everything normal. And we went to one of one apartment because now that I remember, they took me to a couple of apartments in the same night. Mm. Then now is the time that I don't even know what apartments were. So when we get to the first apartment, they're like, oh, let's drink uh, more while we're going to order. Uh, should we bring a little bit of cocaine or something so that we can continue the party? And I said, okay, let's do it. So I gave them some money. They pitched in some money too. We brought Aguardiente. We bought uh, like three grams of cocaine. And we started just partying. So I started drinking and everything. And we started doing coke. And, and everything was fine until a point where I remember they gave me a hit of co a head of coke and a key and when I did it it smelled totally different than normal cocaine it didn't smell like gasoline it smelled like leaves mm -hmm. it smelled like like leaves to tell you too like like dried up leaf so I didn't pay too much attention to it because I felt comfortable um, like my homies my new homies we're gonna mm -hmm. do business together we're gonna send for items to the US but after that moment, I think the, the, the first thing that I noticed changing me was that I felt really comfortable and I feel really trust. I feel like they were really old friends of mine. That was the first thing. So out of nowhere, the, the Aguardiente disappears and we had asked for a liter. So they're like, the alcohol ran out. We need more. Uh, let's go get more cash. So I was like, right away, I was like, I'll pay for it. Don't worry. I was just offering myself to willing. I felt happy, felt good. So, so we go to the ATM, and I kept on trying to withdraw money, and I couldn't. I, I just was too confused. The machine, the ATM kept just going off and everything. So he jumped in, and he said, here, you have to do this. And I put my password, and I think he saw it. Mm -hmm. you know, he had to see it. So I think I was just right. He saw how I put my password. We went back uh, to a different apartment, you know? And and we kept talking there and what I remember the most is that I didn't see them anymore I didn't see that guy anymore I saw a really close friend of mine from the past really really close friend <coughs> excuse me but the weird thing is that friend lives in the States but in my mind I was yeah. like he's here 
And it, was, it got to a point that I kept speaking to him my projects, my goals, my inspirations in English and he kept going like, I don't speak English, I don't speak English. But in my mind I didn't think like, what, he's, he's my friend from the US, why doesn't he speak English? So I'll just like go back and I'll start saying Spanish and then out of nowhere I'll start turning in English again. So something was not right with me. So at the end uh, of that, like an hour or two after me talking a lot and this confusion, they literally took me to a room and they're like, here, go to sleep there. And I obeyed right away. I didn't say nothing else. Right away, like a little kid, went and fell to sleep. When I wake up the next morning, like at 5, 6 a.m., I wake up to a bunch of messages from my girlfriend, from my mom, like, where are you? What happened to you? Didn't tell us where you stayed last night. So I was like, holy cow, what happened? And, and I'm a local from Medellin, so like, even though I grew up in the, in the States, I have a lot of trust here, so I would have never thought I was going to be a victim of this. So when I look through my phones, I have a message from my bank, and it says that I withdraw uh, all the rest of my money I had in my ATM at 3 a.m. I didn't remember none of that, so I, I knew something was up. But the thing that got me the most scared was that my lip, my lower lip, was really swollen, like huge, like swollen, like crazy, even to a point that inside it was ripped to this point of swollen how swollen he got. So out of nowhere, I'm in this room, no money in my ATM, check my wallet, no money there. And I always keep a 10K COP mm -hmm. in my sock, in my, in my, in my shoe. Mm -hmm. So I went for that and he was there. And right away, I tried to come out of that room. Thanks to God, it wasn't locked. But next to my room, there was a, a gate that communicated with a patio and other rooms in there. And I could hear dogs barking inside that gate and everything. So I was really confused and, and I just got out of the apartment right away. Came out of the apartment. I was in the middle of Bello, mm -hmm. which is not really good area. And I was just, my lips swollen, my hair crazy, and just trying to stop taxis. And I just stopped a taxi and I just take me to the nearest metro station, please, right away. So when I get in the metro station and I'm in the metro, the guy calls me and he tells me, yo, bro, where are you? I was waiting for you. I wanted to take you to your home. And I knew that what happened to me because everything added up and I knew it was weird. I was like something different happened to me. I felt abuse. I felt like psychologically uh, abused. I felt like they took advantage, like somebody took advantage of me. That's how I felt in my inside and fear. And I knew something weird was up because I never left my account with less than 20K on it. So I knew I was robbed. Mm. So. In my head, I was like, I, I was drugged. Uh, so when he called me, I was like, bro, I'm sorry. My girlfriend, my mom was really uh, worried about me. So what I did was I just told him that I slept over at a friend's house. And I think that ATM we used last night to take out that money was hacked because somebody robbed me. I knew he had robbed me, but I just didn't want him letting like to know yeah. that he had robbed me because I was afraid for my yeah. life. To the point that two weeks later he saw a false self watch the online and, and he called me again to meet up again but I made a lie up and I'm like I'm not meeting you um, like outside metro station because uh, I have another appointment I'll meet you inside the metro station and I mostly did it because I didn't want him to know that something was up anyways just to finish the story after right when I finished the call I went to my bank and I told him what had happened. I looked dirty, my hair was crazy, my lip was swollen. And the bank literally just cut my old debit card off, gave me a new one, and 
told me that the bank will be contacting me for for because they're gonna chuck the videos mm -hmm. at the ATM. So three or four days later, I get an email from the bank and they tell me, surely you receive help from a third person, and mm -hmm. we do not uh, help out if you do receive help, uh, or we don't give the money back if you receive help from the third person. And they also told me, if you want this video footage, uh, we'll show it to the police. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't even show it to me. Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't want the video. I didn't want anything to. I just wanted to get over this. And to tell you the truth, the psychological effect of fear uh, was with me at least two or three months after that. And I almost finished my business off because every time somebody called me to sell something, I would think it was them. So I had a lot of fear even to the point I hired somebody else to do deliveries for me. And to this point, I only sell the clothes and the items inside metro stations. Mm. Uh, they meet me at where you put the tickets in. I stay inside, they stay outside give the money and go back in the metro station. And thanks to God, I haven't had any problems for uh, since this, um, since this happened, because I've been really, really cautious about my surroundings, mm -hmm. about the things I do, the people I meet, because you never think this will happen to you until it does. Yeah. Do you, um, do you think if you went to the police, they would have been able to help? You know, like, uh, this guy actually called me four or five months later mm -hmm. and he told me that he was in jail, not because of me. Uh, so who knows what he did. Yeah. But he was asking for me to put money on his cell phone so he could call from there. I put 5K in and blocked him, disappeared right away. I was like, this is the time for me to just disappear. Mm -hmm. But I think if I had called the police, what they had done is they probably had um, him meet me or something like that. Maybe a trap mm -hmm. where I would be drugged or, or something like that because my testimony would not have been enough for him to get locked up. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I think if I had more money in, I would have gone inside the gate, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I think they saw me as I could use him a little bit more. Yeah. And if I had, let's say, I only had like 500K, but if I had had like a million, two million, three million, Probably they would have killed me or they would have kidnapped me until they emptied all my accounts and then left me out. But I knew too much, so yeah. if there was more money involved, I think I would have not be telling the story. And what other experiences have you had with um, Scapola? I mean, have you encountered well, it? Since otherwise? I started working with Americans and other people, I've been helping a lot of them to not get drugged and things like that. I've been actually um, helping them with partying and, and nightclubs. And I tell them to be aware of these problems because uh, drugs uh, while drinking with girls and everything is really popular but the other experience I had and it wasn't like a experience to me it was a business offer they offered to me and this was uh, when I first started working with with uh, people from uh, other countries foreigners um, they offered me these people at a party they offered me that if I connect one of my clients with a special girl that worked for them uh, they will set everything up to rob him and I will get a hundred million pesos just for connecting them. Mm. That I would not get involved in anything. I would not uh, get consequences. I would not. They would not know it was me. That the girl will take care of it. So that's when I actually, after I heard this, I got really afraid actually, and and I I don't want to be involved in anything of this. So I left that party right away because I felt in danger myself. Because if, if somebody's willing, if willing to do that, they're willing to do anything. So so that's when I realized, and that's when I actually. Um, 
advise my people, uh, the people that look for my, the service or for friends to help them around Medellin, is the, to look for a local that, that has good reputations, that, has, that, that knows the place, that other foreigners recommend him, and not just go for the cheapest price or for a random, because there's serious uh, businesses that go under the table that could really affect mm. uh, a really fun time turn into a really awful time. So, do you think that Colombia has a serious problem with Scopola being that the, the rest of the world might not know about, or do you think, yeah, do you think it's quite prevalent here, more prevalent than people might think? Well, I think that it is a big problem because it's a, a substance that will take control of your will, mm. and this is a problem itself. Um, I think that the government has been doing something about it because I, when I was a kid, I would see many of borrachero trees, which mm -hmm. is the main source of escolpolamine everywhere. Mm -hmm. And now I guess they're cutting them down. Mm -hmm. So you see them in fewer places. And, and yes, uh, I think it's a big problem that if it spreads through the world, it will bring a lot of big issues uh, around the world. I'm glad it's not as popular as people would think it is. But, but I think that, that there should be investments, government investments at this moment, a studying of something that would work against this substance because it is a substance that could cause a lot of pain, a lot of uh, damage in a person's, make him crazy, mm. or even take away his life. Mm -hmm. So yes, uh, I think it's a big problem, but I think it, we're so aware of it here in Medellin that we're really cautious. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest problem here is letting your guard down mm -hmm. because you may feel safe because everything looks normal because there's a lot of police presence. But, you know, uh, you should never let your guard down either here or anywhere else. And Juan is not alone, as there are many Colombians, tourists and expats sharing their scopolamine stories online. Colombian Scopolamine Victims and Alert is a Facebook group of victims and concerned citizens who want to bring awareness to the situation. The group describes itself as an English language group to help share and spread information about scopolamine druggings in Colombia. By sharing as much information as possible about each scopolamine incident, you may be able to prevent the next person from becoming a victim. In the group, numerous victims and users share their stories, and it's clear that scopolamine can be administered through a variety of methods, such as soaked in a piece of paper, and then the drug is then handed to the victim, spiked in a person's drink, or even powder blown in their face. The group also shares local news stories related to attacks, such as one story from El Colombiano, a major Colombian newspaper. Professor Ramazan Cenke, a university teacher of Turkish origin and a Canadian resident, arrived in Medellin in November to teach a course on finance at Eafit University. He stayed in a hotel in Poblado, the same neighborhood which is home to Parque Yeras. He wanted to meet locals and an employee suggested Tinder. Cenke arranged a date with a woman who asked if she could bring a friend along. The date took place on La Setenta a popular area of nightlife in the city, and the two women were quick to spike Jenke's drink. This caused him to lose consciousness, and the women carried him out of the bar, claiming that he was a friend who had simply drank too much. An accomplice picked them up in a car, and once inside, they stole his cell phone, took his bank cards, and gave him another dose. It is believed that the excessive level of drugs mixed with the alcohol proved too much for Jenke, and unfortunately, he died as a result. Interestingly, scopolamine had no part in this story. However, cases which involve other drugs, such as clonazepam, can easily be confused with scopolamine incidents. 
According to the Bogota Post, while the borrachero tree is easy to find in parts of Colombia, processing it is expensive and therefore many cases are misattributed to scopolamine, resulting instead from cheaper drugs from the same family as Xanax and Valium. Scopolamine or not, these attacks are vicious and potentially lethal. But with the Facebook groups working hard to spread information and awareness, hopefully there will be less stories to tell from this horrible drug in the future. You run to something. So, if you have a friend that's seen everything on Netflix, this might shed some light onto their personality. According to research out of Ohio State University, people who have trouble with romantic relationships may watch movies and TV shows for reasons other than just to momentarily escape reality. In fact, this new research suggests that people with attachment issues are more likely than others to engage in the stories, for instance, to say that they feel connected to the fictional character, or that they think about what they would do if they were in their same situation. And the results suggest that stories provide a safe space for some people to deal with relationship issues in their lives. That's our show for today. You can find a full video on the scopolamine story on our website at sociable.co, along with all the other details from this podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great day.